0: Hi, hello. My name is Maris, and welcome to my show, Critical Root Zone, where we dig deep with inquiring minds to get to the root of sustainability, going below the surface to rebuild trust while supporting all voices on our journey to a climate positive planet. Welcome to episode three, where we'll zone into the People and Planet series with one of my good friends and best selling author, Reggie D. Ford. I read his book, Perseverance Through Severe Dysfunction and it opened my eyes wide to various challenges that our Black brothers and sisters continue to endure still today. We believe that these things must be addressed and acknowledged in order to collectively save the planet together. So let's get to know another legend and activist here in Nashville, Tennessee, my guest, Reggie Ford. Welcome to CRZ. Welcome. Welcome to CRZ.
1: I appreciate you for having me.
0: Oh, man. Well, we were just talking about how I had two professional (laughs) broadcasters slash podcasters in my presence. So this has been really easy for me. (laughs) Really easy.
1: I don't know. You might be giving me too much credit, but I appreciate that. Yeah. I know I know Mr. Gentry. He, he does this, but yeah, I appreciate it.
0: Let's talk about that. Episode one and two, we had Howard on. You were here in the room to listen to those episodes. I mean, yes,
1: yes. It was <sighs> it was an honor. I want to first start by saying it, it, it's an honor to share this series with Mr. Gentry and to have sat in here, heard the things that y'all were talking about, and be so moved by his story. His take on the world, his his insights. And uh, so it's an honor to be able to share this same space with him mm. and share it with you as well, Maris. Thank you. Yeah.
0: And his perseverance
1: oh, as man. well. Oh, man. Should we
0: tie it in?
1: Oh, he's he's persevered through a lot. <laughs> um, but, I mean, he, he makes it look so easy. And I think it when you put in the work, uh, the intentional work that he's put in, that's what you get. You get a result that looks uh, almost effortless, but you know from, from all that he's been through truth. and what he talked about that, it is it is a challenge. It's been yeah, a challenge, truth. but he's he's overcome a lot of those challenges.
0: Gosh, I mean, I, I, everything is so serendipitous for me right now because I've been going through my own things and, and just recognizing that. The diamonds don't just become diamonds.
1: Mm, no, right? no. Hey, pressure, yeah, pressure, so. pressure buzz pipes on the negative, but it'll 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 turn carbon in the uh, in a diamond. So, I think you might be in that in that situation where you you about you're sparkling. So it's it's diamonds being formed right now.
0: And thank you, thank you, thank <laughs> you. Well, wait. I know that you wanted to touch on some things that Howard and I oh, were discussing. It's people and planet. Yes, it's the people and planet series, which this really is just. I think this is just the beginning for me. Like, this is our series to start off. Yeah. All of the different th- topics that relate humans to planet because more and more people rights are planet rights. Planet rights are human rights. Right. Because we are the controllers truly. I keep telling people, hey, the planet's going to go on without us, mm-hmm. right? Like, all the things we're doing, this this is going to just we're gonna we're gonna disappear eventually yeah. and the yeah. planet's gonna keep going right But the more we acknowledge each other and what we're going through and what we've went through what we've been through mm-hmm. and that addressing that in general, that's what I want to talk with you about Reggie. I mean your book number one but um, and we'll get into a little bit more in episode four than our next episode about tying it all in together but um yeah, you you touched so much in your book about, well, first of all, it's your story.
1: Yeah, it's and a personal story. Wow. A deep personal story.
0: You give it all. <laughs> I yeah. felt it with you. Yeah. I went there with you. And I think mo- any reader that has read your book has, has felt everything.
1: Yeah. I think what you get from the book is when you're seeing the, the story that I tell and, and seeing me in that story, but then also, which is our human nature, is to relate that back to your life. And because so perseverance through severe dysfunction, just a lot in that title, breaking the curse of intergenerational trauma as a black man in America. Right. You're not a black man in America, but I guarantee you there's pieces throughout that because trauma is universal. Trauma is something that we all experience. And to to see a situation that I went through. It's like, oh, that reminds me of this time when I went through X, Y, Z, or mm-hmm. I know a family member who went through something like that. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where, you know, it is my story, but it's so it connects to so many different people on so many different mm-hmm. levels, which I think is a testament to my life experience, just growing up in the hood, growing up to a single mother in poverty, um, to then going to school, uh, on the other side of town with some of the most wealthy people in our city, in our state, in our country, um, who lived a whole different life from me um, and probably lived less than five miles away from me wow. all that time. Yeah. And so, like, I, 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 I had an experience where I was exposed to that whole spectrum of living, um, and then I am the result of all that. Yes. And so because of that, it's not just this story of this kid who went through the hood it's the story of this kid who went through the hood who did this who exposed who's exposed to this who experienced all of this and it's like whoa now you get to connect it all and share that with the world and that's what's been so beautiful it's like i'll sit down with folks who are different generations different races different uh countries Mm -hmm. and they have some some way of connecting to it and that's i think the beautiful part of the story
0: I love that you're being able to experience this phase now right like you wrote the book and now you get to have deeper conversations Mm -hmm. about it and how it relates to all these different topics like sustainability and environmentalism and you and I have had some really amazing conversations about already and can't wait to dig into that but what what made you write the book what what was the starter there The the
1: start the spark was uh not having any outlet for the mental distress that I was going through when I first started. So my my grandmother, who was my rock through so much chaos in my life, she had been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And I had normally gone to her when something that big would have happened, I would go to her for comfort. But it, it just didn't seem right and appropriate. And so uh, I tried mm. to find different ways to deal with that. And and I had always been a writer of sorts. I'd write songs and, and poems and things like that. But I never just sat down and wrote a book. And I didn't even intend on writing a book. But I started journaling. And I would journal the the first day or maybe two days after I found out uh, that she had attempted to uh, overdose on insulin and just ended on January 1st mm. of 2019. That was my my good morning call um two days after that's when i really got to to journaling and talking about everything that was happening uh sometimes it was very long you know this is what i did i had to get i had to give my grandmother her insulin shot for the first time never thought i'd be doing this uh to f this stuff mm. you know and that that was a reference to a lot of other things that were going on around that situation with uh family members um just just trauma right trauma and so that that lasted for about six months, and I took it. It was all in my phone at the time. I took it from my phone and put it into my computer, and it ended up being 60 pages, and it was the most I've ever written in my life. Wow! And I just, you know, in situations like this where I would talk to people, I would share part of that story. And knowing my background and knowing, you know, these are people that I knew, knowing the things that I had been through or what they knew about me, they're like, man, your life is a book. I'm like... No, you know, just I'm just normalizing the life that I've lived. And I heard that enough. And the things that I was talking about and the things that I was doing to help myself get through a lot of that stuff seemed to help other people that I was like, okay, now it's time. I think this is time. So just started to craft it up. (sighs)
0: I'm so glad you did. I'm so <laughs> glad you did. You inspire me. I mean, we talked about this. Like I might have to write a book too one of yes, these days. But yes. I've been journaling a lot. There you go. So yeah. That's it's it my starts. outlet as well. So if you're listening to this and you're not journaling,
1: go yes. ahead and start. Start. Because it's amazing. Start. It's it's
0: great for that release and and letting it out somewhere. True. True. But um trauma yes. is an underlying thing we all go through and in different ways. And and that is what connects a lot of us, but mm-hmm. we don't realize that. Mm-hmm. And your book, BLM, was a chapter I really wanted to talk about. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the whole – I could talk about the whole, I literally <laughs> – if you can see right now, it's highlighted. It's – I mean, it's got marks on it, like just all these different things I want to touch on. But specifically what I, I, I really found so interesting, uh, when you talk about black and white bodies – trauma in their bodies, um, the story of Khalif.
1: Khalif Browder.
0: And the system, mm-hmm. right? Because we just talked about so much of the system and how the system works with Howard in episode two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that your family, I know your dad.
1: Yeah.
0: It was, he's been in and out of the system and, and how that affected you. Yes. And just, yeah, just touching on that, like Khalif's story, for instance. Yeah. Right? We want. What, why was that important in BLM?
1: Yeah. I'm going to touch on you. reference my dad. So my dad spent about eight years of his life in prison um, from when I was eight till uh, I was almost about to be an adult. And um, it affected me because, you know, growing up, wanting that, that love and connection that I, that I longed for from my, from my father, I just didn't have it. And similar to, to what Mr. Gentry was saying, like there was anger. Right, and sometimes it would come out toward who you wanted it to come out to, but other times it's just random, and it, it's it's that, and so a lot of things that. I now can look back and say that's why I reacted that way in that situation was because of all of this pent up anger from, you know, not having my father there, not having the resources and the food and the transportation and anything and all those things that I truly needed. But uh, in Khalif's story, and if you're not familiar with Khalif Browder's story, there's a documentary out there, there's um, books written about it. But Khalif was uh, a teenager when he and a friend got um, arrested. Um, for allegedly stealing a backpack. And they were innocent at the time, but Khalif uh, went through the system, was held at Rikers Island for uh, mm-hmm. over two years. And most of that two years, he was spent in, in solitary confinement where his brain just started to deteriorate. He had multiple attempts of, of taking his own life. He had uh, he was bu- abused by other inmates. He was abused by the guards. He was starved. He was He was put through hell. Right. And he was a, a, a teenager who, you know, in this country were innocent until proven guilty. But it didn't appear that way because all of these years he, he's waiting on a trial. And so he eventually got out and that he was on talk shows around the world, uh, around the country rather, and um, would tell his story about all the things he was doing in, in the fight for justice. And with that, you know, see, being on the camera and everything, people in the hood think you got money. And so he was he was a victim of crimes uh, in his neighborhood. And then um, one one tragic day, he decided that it was enough. And he he took his own life after enrolling in college and doing really well there and changing, you know, not even changing his life, but living in the path that he had set out to do. And uh, it just, you know, when you look at it all, he was he was uh, adopted. Uh, he was, you know, went from, you know foster homes and different things like that to, um, a mother who, uh, a mother and father who, you know, didn't have those resources enough to, to put all the things around him that he needed to right. succeed, yeah. regardless of what was going on with the criminal stuff or alleged, alleged yeah, stuff. Right. And, and then in a, in a education system that deemed him, you know, uh, not smart or whatever it was, when it's it, our, our schooling should adapt to our kids who it's supposed to serve as opposed to us having to fit these kids into this same hole.
0: Absolutely, yes. And
1: so, uh, you know, all those different systems from the criminal justice system to the education system to um, the systems that help provide for the indigent, um, yeah. they all failed him. Yeah. and. While he may have hanged himself, I do not believe and will never believe that he was the reason for his death. All those things were the, the culprit.
0: And that's just one story. And
1: that's one. That's yeah. one of a bunch. And a bunch.
0: <laughs> those stories, the, those stories that you don't hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know for myself, reading your book opened my eyes so wide to so many things that I'll never unsee, yeah. and I'm I'm grateful for it. Yeah, because my life has changed, mm-hmm. and I already I've already been the deeper thinker, and now here we are. We're just going, we're just going in <laughs> and in and in, and there's no going back. And I'm right. I'm grateful for it. Yeah, um, and that's what I want to do on this podcast. Right. I want listeners and w- people watching to see and hear real stories, real people,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: understand that this isn't unique right this is everywhere yeah especially our country which was founded on freedom where people of all colors are not free no
1: not to this day not
0: to this day
1: and and you know mr. Gentry talked about you know reinstating those voting rights right that's such a huge part because that that's the basis of democracy, having a voice yes. to then elect, to, to then uh, have a say so in the laws that govern your mm-hmm. life. Yes. And, you know, going back to the founding, right, we it's it said that that six percent of the adult population at the time of the Declaration of Independence was able to vote. So all people are created—not all people are voting. 6% (laughs) because women weren't voting. uh, Non-land-owning whites weren't voting. Black people weren't voting. Uh, Any native indigenous populations, they weren't voting. And so you had this very small group of wealthy individuals who owned land who were making the decisions for everybody— and our and our country has evolved since then we are a big melting pot we can look at the folks that are in this production right now we're a big melting pot of different things and uh, to know that our uh system still is governed by these documents that aren't necessarily relevant to the world that we live in today is 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 tough facts it's tough yeah <laughs> so
0: well Gosh. Okay. So I'm just going to touch back to I I had a series on voting with Bob Freeman, Mm -hmm. and this all relates to sustainability. This all relates to the environment because we have to. We want to make choices for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have to vote. Yes. And if you don't have the right to vote, why? Mm -hmm. And that's where he. That's where Howard plays a big part and what he does because we we don't know what we don't know. Right. Right. And so I want. Um. I I love this quote you said. It is the unjust system of discrimination on the basis of race that permeates every crevice of our society dating back to the founding of America. (laughs) Okay, Reggie. (laughs) I mean, and another one, it is the system that allows for mass incarceration of people of color as a way to disguise modern day slavery due to a loophole in the 13th Amendment.
1: Mm -hmm. And our state is is voting on... That version of of, uh, the 13th Amendment. Explain that a little bit, yeah. So, yeah. And when the 13th Amendment was passed, that was the the amendment that abolished slavery. So it said um, no one should be held uh, in in involuntary servitude, comma, except for punishment for a crime. And so with that, then you can say all of these people are criminal. And then lock them up wow. and treat them as slaves. Hmm. And so when you when you see mass incarceration and the disproportionate way it affects people of color, um, it just makes you wonder, right?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: You know, and and when that took off, so my dad was my dad was born in the seventies, early seventies, and at that time, I think our our, our prison population was somewhere around like three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand. It is more than 10 times that now.
0: That's a whole nother series you gotta do. It
1: is crazy. It is like skyrocketed since then when, with the war on drugs, with the war on crime, Mm. war on crime, because if you commit a crime, then we can, you know, bypass this 13th amendment. And so it, um, and, 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 and again, I think this, you know, Mr. Gentry hit on this and I think it's important, like there are murderers, there are rapists, there are, are people who commit serious crimes that are a threat to society and they ought to serve time, right? But even in those situations, if you're serving time and you're working and you're providing something for the, the world, mm. get paid for that work, right? If you're sitting in, in, in a cell and, and then you wake up and you have to plow and do something for 13 hours a day and they're saying you get 10, 10 cents an hour, uh, a day That that's that's exploitation. So so then that shapes how our private prisons look, Mm -hmm. um, because now they have to treat this person as a person, one, Mm. (laughs) but but also as an employee which if you run any business, you know that that salaries and wages and benefits is probably the biggest line on anybody's income statement. And if that increases, then it's it's not always, it's not going to be uh, in benefit to have as many people in those beds because right now they want people locked up because they get paid off of
0: wow. it. Wow. Yeah. Right?
1: And so if you, if you start to um, adjust how those things look, the d- dynamics around that, then we may see... Uh, more opportunities because yes. you're more productive out here than you are in there. You're going to be uh, of, of use and more productive in society if we can find a way to rehabilitate you, mm-hmm. to, to reinstate yes. you, as opposed to keeping you behind bars.
0: Which all plays into the environment.
1: All of it. I mean, it if, all does. If we
0: can't just be people in the world, if we can't just live and work and do these normal things, right? Like these rights.
1: Yes. If you don't rights. have them, rights.
0: If you don't have them,
1: basic rights.
0: How can we even talk about the environment? Yep. And what? And what Howard said, if you're just a bad person in general, or or I, I, I the quote is, you can <laughs> your character is going to show throughout. Absolutely. So if you don't care about yourself, you don't care about the environment either. You don't care about other people. You right. probably don't care about the environment right. either. And, you know how do... It seems impossible. How do we change people? How do we get them <laughs> to care about themselves?
1: And yeah.
0: I mean, we're going to talk about that. We're going to yeah. talk about that um, in the next episode. But gosh, there is so much in this book that's oh, impossible for me to get through. Yeah. There's, please go get yourself a copy. <laughs> it's PTSD, Perseverance Through Severe Dysfunction, Breaking the Curse of Intergenerational Trauma as a Black Man in America by Reggie D. Ford. Go get that. Oh my gosh, I really, I I'm gonna read it a million more times. I loved it. Um, gosh, there's so much I want to talk to you about. Okay, <laughs> can I
1: point out something real quick? Yes, please. So, so in that one chapter that you were talking about BLM, it it, it doesn't well BLM Black Lives Matters what the acronym is on a on a global sense, but I I, I state explicitly that um it's not associated for me personally with an organization or anything like that. It's a phrase, it's a chant, like black lives matter because for so long black people felt like they did not mm. And I think that that is, uh, that part really relates to sustainability as we talk about that piece.
0: Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. Ooh. Okay. Up next. Reggie and I are going to get into the critical root zone. So we're going to get down and then we're going to tie it all together of people and planet. And I'm going to ask a very important question in that episode. But as you all know, I love to connect with the people. I'm here for you. I want to hear you. Please reach out. Also, if you want to be a podcaster, I've got the best crew in Nashville here at Elm Hill Studios. And all you got to do is send me an email. It's criticalrootzone at gmail.com. Before we get to the next episode, just remember that in order to love the planet, we got to love each other. And in order to love each other, we have to love ourselves. So make sure that you're asking questions, inspire people to do better, and we can do anything when we stand united. Thank you for listening to Critical Root Zone. If you'd like to reach out, email us at criticalrootzone at gmail.com. Critical Root Zone is produced in Nashville, Tennessee. Copyright 2022.